Welcome to What the Fish, a podcast where the fish guys at the Field Museum in Chicago talk about marine life, new and crazy species, natural history news, and fish. Who are the fish guys? Dr. Leo Smith, head of fishes, our fearless leader, and also known as the Great White. Hi, Beth. <laughs> Dr. Matt Davis, a postdoc and known as Mr. Hammerhead. Hello. <laughs> and Dr. Eric Algren, consultant for fishes and our nurse shark. Oh, nurse shark. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> <laughs> and I am Beth Sansenbacher, your host, and who would love to meet a megalodon one day. Today we have a very special podcast for you. We have a live studio audience, the Field Museum's youth design team. And today we're talking about how the fish guys became the fish guys. So, how did you guys get interested in fish? What are you working on? I started getting into fish about, at about your age, so I was 14. My dad had always had fish when I was a little kid. Uh, I grew up in northern New Mexico, which is up in the mountains, so there was basically, and then everything around it was desert, so there were no actual fish around there. So you this know. is just bizarre to me right now. <laughs> yeah, so I, there were no fish anywhere. Uh, I had sort of had some stuff had happened in my life such that the sort of what I had focused on for my, most of my childhood, I couldn't do anymore, and so I switched into fish basically after I got the news that I couldn't do that work anymore. And my dad took me to a pet store like, well, let's buck up. Let's go fill that fish tank or something. Like he thought that would cheer him up at least. I don't know. And so we ended up going to the pet store, bought some fish, and it sort of snowballed. It became two fish tanks, three fish tanks, and I think I got up to over 20 fish tanks at my house, my poor parents. Um, octopus, pet octopus. We had like live coral tanks, actual fish tanks, breeding like South American freshwater fish, lots of different stuff. It's snowballed into working at pet stores when I was about starting maybe 15. So, and they started, I kept having to go further and further away. So better pet stores kept offering me jobs. So I was commuting like an hour over an hour a day to go work at stores. And then eventually got a small business grant in New Mexico to open up an aquarium maintenance company with help from my mom helping me write that. And then uh, eventually you know, got it, went to college, wrote my essay about wanting to study fish, not really thinking that there was actually a job out there to study fish. I thought I was going to end up be, like, somehow opening a pet store or, you know, if I was really lucky working at a public aquarium like the shed and, you know, a whole bunch of circumstances there. We can talk about that later part um, as we go on. But, you know, basically, a, you know, a few lucky breaks and a few sort of random happenstances and now I'm here. That's pretty much my story. That's crazy. So how, you started breeding fish when you were like 14? Yeah, well, there, so there were these angelfish. The, you guys you know those angelfish that kind of look like an arrowhead? They're, they're like a cichlid. And there was a virus going around in the United States, and so all the populations died. And so we started breeding them at my house right when, you know, there was, there was none of them anywhere. I mean, like they were, you know, you could charge instead of like 50 cents to a dollar each, they were going for like four or five dollars. You were like a Noah's Ark of angelfish. <laughs> well, yeah, I just had such an old population or something that they didn't have the virus. And so we were selling those in northern New Mexico. And then my dad had had a, he had outdoor ponds and we had an accident that caused a bunch of them, the fish to die. So we threw a whole bunch of my fish out there for the summer and then they reproduced and got larger. And so we were able to 
take advantage of that, and then that helped grow them up and, you know, it, it, you know, made more money. I mean, it wasn't exactly about making money, but it was, it was an expensive hobby for a, you know, my parents were super generous with it. But you, you didn't maliciously re- release this virus into the general population, <laughs> no, no. so you could corner the market. Uh, no, it was coming out of Florida somewhere. But um, yeah, I mean, my parents oh, yeah, were Florida. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so but, when you were selling them, how much money were you making off of them? Hundreds, thousands, thousands, probably. You know, from the various things, thousands of dollars. So you made thousands of dollars in high school selling fish. Yeah. <laughs> Why in the world did you get into a career in academics? You did so well in the fish trade. Well, I traded it for credit. You got more money for credit, and I was buying so much stuff. So I don't know what it would have been in cash money. but So you were trading it more for, for more fish tanks. Yeah, well, my parents could only, you know, I mean, I'm sure they would have, they were super generous, but they... You know, I couldn't just keep, I mean, this, some of the stuff, I mean, I probably put $10,000 into one of the tanks alone, into a coral reef tank, so. Did, did your did your dad, like, was were your parents interested in fish? Because I know he said, hey, let, let's go get some fish. I mean, yes, did they I mean, like fish, or they just randomly, like? I don't know how much my mom likes fish. I mean, she certainly didn't dislike fish. Um, my dad certainly did. So in 1970, when I was in the garden and preschool, we had a saltwater tank which was really rare in 1978 or 79. And uh, we had a lionfish in the living room, which is the group I worked on. And we had a goldfish tank in my room that we would take the goldfish out and feed it to the lionfish. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's, it's all good when you're just, you know, with that many fish. What about you, Matt? How did you get to where you are? Um, I want to hear more about Leo's uh, childhood. No, (laughs) no, we're good. (laughs) So I, I don't know, I guess I got into this in kind of a completely different way than Leo. Um, I was not particularly into fish as I was growing up. I was into biology in general, or kind of some natural things, but I, but I kind of followed more of a um, stereotypical cliche, like I was kind of more into dinosaurs or like paleontology at first, um, rather than just straight up biology, um, just as, as a kid. But I kind of followed that through when I started college. So as I like transitioned from high school to college, I was becoming more and more interested in, in specifically like biological questions uh, and specifically evolutionary type questions. And as I started college, I, that kind of took me into fishes because where I went to university, which was in Colorado, because I'm, I'm born and from Colorado. Well, I wasn't born in Colorado, but I was born in California, but I'm from Colorado. And so I went to college there and my undergraduate advisor, um, Mike Gadotti, who has worked on a specific type of fishes called killifishes. Uh, I started doing kind of undergraduate research with him uh, because, you know, in that particular biology department, he was kind of one of the main people who worked on evolutionary biology questions, which is what I was interested in at the time. Was he like the closest thing they had to a paleontologist? Uh, on some level, he didn't really work on fossils um, too much. There, there are a number of fossil fishes, though. So when I initially had approached him about my interest in kind of paleontology and kind of evolutionary biology, you know, he suggested going towards fishes a little bit. He was working on living fishes, but he kind of made it the suggestion that I might want to move into fishes and and start doing undergraduate research there because there's a lot of fossil fishes as well. Um, And it's something a lot of people don't realize because you see, you know, you see all the things about dinosaurs and about giant lizards and about mosasaurs, which are basically just huge aquatic lizards. Um, but you don't really necessarily get the grasp that there's a huge fossil record for fishes as well, uh, which is really kind of interesting. Um, and a lot of these fossils are in areas of the United States that were 
you know, covered by an ocean hundreds of millions of years ago. And it's, it, you know, it's kind of an interesting thought to think that you can go through Kansas and you can find these giant mosasaurs and you can find giant fossil fishes because there was this interior seaway like during the Cretaceous. Um, and you can find coral reefs and you can find all these remnants of aquatic life. Um, so that kind of thing got me interested. And then I started getting more and more into the fish as I went along. Um, and then that eventually transitioned into after college, moving into graduate school, particularly for fishes. So I kind of was a slow starter into fishes. And then, I, you know, it just kind of slow burned to the point where, like, you know, now I can't really imagine working on necessarily anything else. Um, but I'm still very much into the evolutionary questions. And there's a lot that one can do with that with fishes as they are a pretty speciose clade of vertebrates. So you were more interested in evolution. Yeah, I, was I was more interested in fish, and it was college where both of us. I just thought I was going to breed fish, you know, because yeah. that was fun. Dr. Yeah. Smith is the curator here at uh, the Department of Fishes in the museum, and uh, uh, Matt is uh, his uh, postdoc, who's in uh, their relationship is is he's not really your he's not your student. No, he's. He's, he's fully a, formed. He's, a well, he's not an embryo anymore. He's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a colleague of yours, but he is it's more like, earlier like, in his stage of uh, uh, development. Uh, one way you can think of that is like, I don't know if this is the most positive way, but like, <laughs> <you're>, <laughs> awesome. but like, you know, if he was the emperor of the empire, <laughs> that would make me like his Darth Vader. Oh, that's yeah. that's the, like, I don't know how else, I, that sounds kind of well, funny. You could, but like, yeah, you're more than like a Padawan. Yeah, it's more like, yeah, yeah. if that was the positive way. I don't yeah. know if we're nice enough to be that. Yeah. <laughs> or useful enough to be yeah, that. Yeah, or useful enough. I don't know how else to describe it, but it's definitely a, like a, like a master apprentice type yes. thing. So if you want to go with like kind of more nerdy reference, you can go with the Star Wars, like a Jedi master and apprentice. It's so like, I would recommend if you do want to go into science, there's a certain level of nerdiness that you need to yeah, get you yourself can. up to speed in you order to survive it, so. in. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at these guys. They, they look like they're nerdy enough. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I can sort of tell by looking at them. I can't tell for sure. Yeah, I get the thumbs up. Yeah, all right. That's a compliment, of course. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's totally. We're all friends here. All right, Eric, what, what about you? I don't like fish at all. I'm, <laughs> I'm, no, I, I find them very interesting. I'm here as a volunteer. My background is completely different. I have a background in uh, medicine. I found, I found the business part of practicing medicine to be uh, impossible, and uh, my circumstances were such that I was lucky enough that I could retire early, and uh, I volunteer here. Uh, at the museum, and, and I started by volunteering up in the molecular lab, where uh, these two are actually spending a lot of time now, and uh, found that sort of uh, perplexing and, and not uh, hands-on enough, and I was lucky enough uh, through uh, a friend of mine who works here at the museum to be put in touch with uh, uh, Dr. Smith, and uh, I started working with him last year, and now I get to do all kinds of cool lab work and wet lab stuff, and last week, what did we do? We were, we were clearing and staining fishes, I got to help calibrate a 3D scanner, uh, I get to uh, uh, make a podcast. Make a podcast. <laughs> yes, I get to make podcasts. Uh, hang out up in the uh, molecular lab. I don't really do much up there. I just sort of watch you guys handle pipettes. It's uh, kind of a. You're welcome yeah. to join in. Yeah, when, no, when it's, I, without I, the time I, pressure. Yeah, I would, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> they they have very precious specimens, and it's very important to their research. And I wouldn't want to be the one to put the wrong pipette in the wrong well and screw up all your data, and then it'd be my fault. All right, we're pretty so, good at screwing it up on our own. <laughs> yeah. So, no, no. I, I, uh, I, I think fish are fascinating, and I think it's interesting, and I learn something every week uh, uh, that I'm here, and uh, I've had a lot of fun uh, in the time that I've been here. 
How about you, Beth? With fish? Whatever. Oh, okay. Well, so I'm, I'm the host, so I, I do have a, a little marine um, background. So I always loved science as well ever since I was little. It was the only thing I was good at in school was science. English was unholy to me. And I apologize to my English teachers who might be listening who had to deal with me because I was not fun in their classes. Um, so I always loved science. And, and this is really corny. What really got me into my major, which was microbiology, I was reading Jurassic Park um, because I absolutely loved that book and then saw the movie and I thought that was great and I wanted to uh, genetically engineer dinosaurs but make them small so we could have them as pets. <laughs> this would have been, so that's the plan? Yeah, that was the plan. That was so really plan. small with microbiology. Like, yeah, really small. Um, and then I, I, so I'm like, okay, well, I need to learn about genetics. Um, so I... Uh, went to the University of Illinois down in Urbana-Champaign and did microbiology, and it, that was just super fascinating to me. Um, gene transfer, um, antibiotic resistance uh, I got into. One of my advisors was actually working on that a lot, and I just found that all absolutely fascinating. Uh, but then, happily, I ran into the geology department. And um, I got more and more interested in ecosystems and kind of um, natural um, the more natural side of science. So getting out of the lab and, you know, forests and, and, and different environments. And I was lucky enough to hook up with the geology department um, and work on two projects. Uh, one was a, um, a project which studied the bacteria that lived in rocks. So looking in hot springs environments and seeing what kind of bacteria live in there and how they affect um, uh, precipitation of calcium carbonate into rocks. So the idea was, can we look at rocks today? Can we have any idea what kind of life was living in these rocks, you know, hundreds of millions of years ago, billions of years ago? And they wanted to use that as a template um, when they were exploring Mars to see, like, okay, so if we're going to go to Mars and we want to find life. We're probably going to find um, single cellular life. What kind of traces would they leave? So we looked to see if the bacteria left any traces, and there were only very specific occurrences where these bacteria would leave traces within the rock record. It, it's very rare. It doesn't happen often at all. And then with fish, uh, we worked on a project on coral disease. Um, so corals get sick um, just like any other living organism on the planet gets sick, and there was a disease called black band disease, so we researched... Um, kind of what the causes was and all, um, how these corals were getting sick, and um, a lot of it seemed to come down to parrotfish transmitting this disease. Really? Yeah. Wow, so the circle closes? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's way more complicated than that, so I'm oversimplifying it, but that, they were definitely one of the vectors um, to help spread this disease. And so I got to spend a lot of time underwater. I was in Curacao, which is um, next to Aruba in the Caribbean. Oh, I was in Aruba. It's windy there. It is windy. Curacao is also windy. And I spent a ton of time scuba diving in underwater, so I got really up close and personal with a lot of fish, and I just thought they were absolutely beautiful, especially little cowfish. Those are my favorite little baby cowfish. I would get so excited. They we should have brought one of those. We should have brought one of those. They're like tiny. They look like little boxes, and they have polka dots all over them, and they kind of just like bounce around the reef. And you're just like, that's just the stupidest, cutest thing in the whole world. They look like popcorn. Um, like floating do. around in the water. Yeah, and then it just... Absolutely. Um, and then after that, I decided I wanted to do something completely different, and I went into teaching. 
and I became a science teacher for middle school and high school, and I absolutely loved it. And then I came to the museum, and I found this really happy spot where I could hang around with dorky fish guys and be a dork about science, but also work with youth like you guys and help you guys become more dorky about science, too. So there you go. So are you the only one of us that scuba dives? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Probably, yeah. <laughs> Really sad. I have, I have the card that I haven't used. It oh, but you so you've scuba dives. Oh yeah. So the two fish guys are the only ones that haven't scuba dived. Yeah. Well, you no. guys have never. You guys have never been scuba diving. Snorkeling, but I've never been. Yeah. yeah. Really? That's that's that was really surprising right, to me. I thought you just chose not to do it because you didn't because of various reasons. But I didn't know that you'd never been. No. Uh, oh, it's great. You get the rapture of the deep man. Well, that's the thing. Like on some level, uh, the fish I work on, I, I predominantly work on deep sea fishes, so you can't scuba dive for them anyhow. Yeah, but you can so, scuba like, dive shallow for fun and look at the fun fishes. Yeah, you could. <laughs> <laughs> I've got. I mean, I've gone snorkeling. I've ever. I've always kind of meant to try to get a scuba diving license. Well, so in Madagascar, the three the three of us went collecting there, and it was we were able to do the whole trip for like fifteen twenty thousand dollars. And so the problem is, if you go diving, you have to have you have to rent a big boat, and the boat has to have a compressor. And it's like if you're in the places that we tend to go, which are really remote, there's not compressors nearby, so you got to get a boat dragged over there from somewhere else. And you know, you're looking at you know, I think Mark, the other fish curator here, can often spend fifty, sixty thousand dollars on an expedition. And so it's it's a lot easier to come up with ten to twenty thousand dollars than fifty to sixty thousand dollars. And it's just a question of what's he gets things that I don't get. It's not. You know that neither is better or worse. It's just different, and so when he says "come up with this money," it's, he means like by grants and fellowships and endowments. Like we're not paying that kind of money out of pocket or something. Like right. So these, these trips are usually funded by something like the National Science Foundation or NIH or different kind of grant funding agencies um, for this particular work. Yeah, I mean, most because we're lucky enough to be at the Field Museum, a lot of Mark's stuff and my stuff has been funded by. Um, there were some endowments that have been recreated, you know, nearly 100 years ago at this point um, that were that we, the Marshall Fields Fund. We can kind of put together that money from internal funds. I've never actually gone on NSF funds, so but others do. Before I move us on to the wonderful fish specimens in front of us, so we can talk about those and you guys' specific research a little bit more, do I have questions from our teens? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how many other people knew. Um, you were a secret. You were a reclusive I, I was, fish warrior. Did you not have friends who came? No, no, over? friends knew. But I mean, like, you're like, you I can't mean, go in my room. It's full. <laughs> no, I mean, like, people that knew me at all would write weird things in my yearbook. You know, like, so I grew up in New Mexico, so they would like turn like our my name into I don't remember what they called me, but they had some name, Mister Limpet. No, <laughs> bastard. No, uh so they they would they people that knew me pretty well knew, but it's not like they were all you know I don't know how many different people come to your house, but like probably you know twenty or thirty people tops my entire time in high school. I don't know, maybe more. I don't know. It's hard to think about that, but maybe forty. But yeah, no, they didn't make fun of me. I mean, I got a little more fun made of me when the when I got the small business grant. But look, I grew up in a town of about twelve thousand people. Well, maybe more like fifteen thousand somewhere in that ballpark. Um, and there wasn't really a town anywhere further, you know, for like 30 minutes away. And so... Well, they, you grew up in a very unique town, too. I think you should say a little bit about that. Okay. Well, um, so, well, 
And so they wrote a, st- a story in the local newspaper and, about the grant, and they called me Tank Man in there. So that was <laughs> so I have this newspaper article of me standing cleaning a fish tank called Tank Man, um, which I still have. If anyone wants to see? Um, oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah, so I grew up in uh, northern New Mexico, in a town called Los Alamos, which is where they built the atomic bomb. Uh, so there's a lab. If any of you are familiar with Argon, the town I grew up in is basically if you just had Argon and then the people that worked at Argon and maybe a handful of people that allowed the grocery store and the, everything else to work. But it's very much like The Simpsons in Springfield or something. It's a single town completely dominated by one factory-like thing. Um, but what ends up happening is some humongous percentage of the people that work there have PhDs. So I never really crossed my mind that there was another option. So my brother and I, I had one brother, and both of us got PhDs. Um, my dad had one. He was the first in his family. His uh, sister went to, uh, is a nurse, so she went got training, you know, was edu- college educated and everything. But I don't think either of his parents were. And... So, you know, he was the one that sort of jumped into the academic, academic world, and then we sort of followed and didn't know any better. I didn't know there were any other options. Yeah. Were, were, were all the kids around there growing up sort of, uh, maybe not all the kids, but a large number of kids, did they all have sort of esoteric interests and be kind of nerdy because all their fathers were PhDs, fathers and mothers? And- I don't know. I wouldn't, I, you know, I, you know, I'm coming up on my 20 year high school reunion, which unfortunately I can't go to, but, uh, you look through and it's, it's, well, I'm, I'm I can't get far enough away from my high school reunion. Um, you know, I'm, so I'm intrigued by it, to. but, um, <laughs> so, you know, so everyone's putting what they do. I was surprised how few of them are scientists and engineers. Like everyone in my town was an engineer or scientist. And, uh, I would say that five to 10% of my classes, it's mostly lawyers. Yeah, when I was a like kid, that. I got made fun of all the time for liking science. It was it was terrible. I was uh, from Chicago Public Schools, and uh, uh, I didn't make friends, and nobody liked me, and everybody thought it was weird, and all you know. And like I remember, I don't know, uh, uh, third grade or something, everybody being asked to write about their favorite TV show, and my favorite TV show was Nova. And I wrote a long essay. I like Nova. And everybody else, you know, it was like the latest cop show or, you know, like uh, Monday Night Football or whatever. And mine was Nova. And I had to go and read this in front of her. It was terrible. It was dreadful. Yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't ever watch Nova. Uh, well, see, you were lucky. <laughs> Anyways, more questions. Any more questions? Yes. Um, what's the most interesting fish the both of you have ever studied? That's a good question. You first. That's a good question. Um, do you want it to be interesting to you or interesting to us? <laughs> you want the it's probably answer? both. I mean, like, something that's interesting to us is probably interesting to everybody. No. Unless you... Well, <laughs> that's, probably, that's probably true. Sometimes we go a little far down the rabbit hole to some extent. But it's not like we work on minnows or darters or something. Yeah, we don't work on something boring. Yeah. It's really funny. They have... These guys have, like, certain classifications of fish that seem like any, like any old regular... Like... They really, really love uh, bass, but really, really hate minnows. Or they really, really love like like uh, uh, stonefish, but really find sharks disgusting. It's strange. They, they have these 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 strange. Yeah, problems. we end up in these fish clicks, I guess. <laughs> you never get away from clicks. Like you don't actually hate minnows or darters, but you know you Can't end up fish. in this like there. You know there are groups of people that obsess over say minnows, where like we don't obsess. So over those, those are like goldfish. Yeah. <laughs> So imagine if somebody that's like love themselves goldfish. So yeah, what's your favorite? So uh, the, the one of the main groups that I work on are called lizard fishes. So they're kind of a more obscure deep sea group of fishes. Um, 
There's a deep sea one. It's yeah. an enormous thing in the jar. Is yeah, so one. this is a deep sea lizard fish. This one's actually in the genus Bathysaurus. Um, and we can talk about it a little bit more later. But in that particular group, there are a group of fishes called tripod fishes, which I think are pretty interesting. So tripod fishes are deep sea fishes. They live along the bottom of the ocean floor. And they have these really specialized fins where they have elongations of the fins on their pelvic fins and then on the caudal fins, so the tail fin. And so they basically prop themselves up and they basically look like they're standing on tripods. I mean, they can be way off the ground. Yeah. Yeah, maybe even high. And they just kind of like hop and they, kind of, feet. they swim around and then land on these things and swim around and land on them. And they're just kind of a really interesting looking How far down? sea fish. Um, they can get pretty far. I mean, anywhere between, say, 1,000 to 4,000 meters. So once you get below 1,000 meters, there's no more penetrable well, sunlight. Many miles. Yeah. A couple miles. Yeah. So in, in that area of the ocean, you know, it's completely dark except for the light that animals produce themselves, which is bioluminescence. Um, so, you know, it's a pretty interesting habitat. So there's a lot of different kind of what one would expect to be like crazy looking type fishes that live there. And so of those fishes, those are probably in my favorite. I like tripod fishes quite a bit. Um, so those are probably. So I spent my whole life trying not to study venomous fish, um, but I ended up studying them. So I like all the fish right around venomous fish. You failed miserably <laughs> yeah. with that. And then I was like, oh, it's cheating. It's like liking sharks. It's the same bias. I didn't want to work on venomous fish. But, like, life just kept throwing me, like, venomous fish snowballs or something. I don't know. Um, so there's lots of little fish right around venomous fish that are sort of my favorites, but they're not... I can't say that I've actually done that much with them because I keep getting distracted by venomous fish. Um, so as, uh, in college, I worked at a pet store there, but I'll pay for money on weekends or something in college. And I got stung by a fuzzy dwarf lionfish. So it's, uh, it's in the pet trade. There's the, like, real fancy ones with the big red and white, you know, pectoral fins so they've got like big arms that are sort of classic coral reef fish there might even be one on the on the mural in the room I think there's one somewhere mm-hmm. I tried to convince Audrey or Alta to draw one um, and so you have that yeah, it's just the octopus hugging a narwhal <laughs> <laughs> somewhere there's one um, that happens I know the time I'm sure <laughs> I know that's true with the Galapagos tortoise watching over it <laughs> but uh <laughs> Anyway, uh, so I got, I was working at a pet store, someone had thrown one away in the trash can, and I actually got stung by it. So, and so they have spines on the dorsal fin, which is the same as the shark fin that sticks out of the water. So it was dead in the trash can? It was dead in the trash can. And so normally when you have a venomous fish that dies, you put it in a bag and that kind of blow the bag up around it like a balloon so that someone doesn't stick their hand in and get stung. But my co- coworkers were not so awesome that day. Um, so this was probably 1994. So phones were still attached to the wall. And so uh, the phone rang. I went to go answer the phone, and it fell into the trash can below. And I went. To, I grabbed the phone and got stung. Uh, it knocked me. It hurt for a millisecond or maybe a little longer than that. And I passed out from the pain pretty much instantly. And uh, anyway, it stung me in the hand. I have a big scar from where it stung me. It ended up, you know, I woke up. Everything eventually was fine, uh, swollen. And the skin all died up, up my arm. And so, it, like, I don't know, a couple inches up my arm, lost all the hair, everything like that. It's a stupid venomous fish. Um, you know, one of those things. I didn't really tell my parents. Because I didn't think they wanted to scare them about that. So that, you know, that was the first step in that direction. 
and then started volunteering at other things in college, working on, and eventually got invited on boats where they would take it. We'd go, I'd be asked to identify fish that the fishermen would take out. It was mostly old people, but it was they were uh, people interested in stabbing themselves with venomous fish because they thought it would help cure uh, arthritis. So we go down these boats, and like there's like seventy plus uh, these things called rock cod or rockfish, seventy species off of California, and uh, they would look for two, mostly looking for one in particular called the chili pepper, but they would also look for some other ones, and then they would I would identify the fish as they caught them on the hook, and then they would stab themselves. Very strange, but. Um, they, they really seemed to think it was helping, and uh, there's some evidence that it might. And so I started working on those, and so I just sort of snowballed into this thing where I just, you know, so I was trying to study the things near these, and it just, like, life just kept throwing me these things. And, uh, and eventually, as I was trying to figure out how all those things were related in sort of a giant tree of life, um, the things like the lionfish ended up not being related to this stonefish, so this animal in the tray here in front of you is a stonefish. They... Uh, they didn't come out next to each other in my big tree of life, which suggested that venom had evolved multiple times in, in the groups. And so what we eventually found through a big molecular tree and some anatomical dissections and things was that instead of a couple hundred venomous fish, there were more like several thousand. And uh, the reason I even like started on this is that fuzzy dwarf lion that had stabbed me um, wasn't listed as venomous. And it was because everyone just goes like lionfish venomous and they just say, look up lionfish on Wikipedia, you know, the 1999 equivalent of Wikipedia. And they'd be like, that's the lionfish. Even though there's like you know dozens of species. What was the 1999 equivalent of it? Probably Encyclopedia Britannica or something. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I have no idea. To wheel it in on a, on a I don't know library <laughs> card. Yeah. Um, you know, it was you know it was like mosaic or something, web crawler or something. I don't know. I think it was called a library. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what it was library. I did go to the library to look it up. You're right. I don't know what I looked it in though. I have no memory. Yeah, your hand was falling off and you were turning the pages. Yeah, so some sort of venomous fish, um, either something like the stonefish here Ugh. is intriguing to me. I, so hate this stone, the this I hate stonefish. You're my least favorite fish. No. Yes. Have you seen a like a big-headed carp? Would there... But, no, I don't... <laughs> well, that's true. A bony-eared ass fish? But these things... So when we were diving, we would have to dive near a water plant because we were going into a very polluted area, right? And the only way to get to it was a shore dive, and you would have to walk over all these stones and very shallow, and there were, like, hundreds of those guys, and they're just hiding, and they look like rocks. And there's Was it those or things like those? Things like those, not exactly those oh, guys. Okay. But you know, like all their spines are at the top, so if you step on one of those, you're screwed and oh and you're carrying heavy tanks. With no, these you are complete these ones are not guaranteed to kill you or anything. But yeah, I still don't like but them. But are by any stretch, but they're definitely gonna they definitely kill people. There's an actually anti venom. So most fish most venomous why do those fish hate people so much that they want to kill people? <laughs> no, but that's a small one. I mean they fit in a lot of them get to be you know, the size of a soccer ball, and you're just like, why is the most venomous thing so big? And they're not doing it out of aggression. It's I more know. defense. Like, it's yeah, somebody actually on steps on them. I know, but they were still the bane of my existence for many years. Yeah, but why do they exist? Like, ask, <laughs> answer that question. Like, What's why is this, who was stepping on them? Like, why did that evolve? Why did that evolve? I have something wanting to eat it. I don't know about stepping on it. But yeah. Like, yeah, but the whole system is set up for... It was, it was probably birds. smaller. The birds. The ancestor was probably smaller, and there was birds. no need for, why, it to, but, for it to lose the venom. Really sure, but why get birds. <laughs> I, it's got to be some sort of, like, deep, like, marine reptile. I mean, what... Well, it could have been. I mean, but it's certainly a defense mechanism. Is that, is that why you think they evolved that one? I don't know why, why they're so big otherwise. Why are you so big and so venomous? That's, that's, wow. 
That's a research project out there, didn't Yeah, it? but what are you going to do? Take a time machine? <laughs> I don't know. That's, isn't that yeah, what you guys do with your genetic probes and whatnot? Uh, you could... I, on I, some I, level, it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no. now, you could probably infer, like, you could, like, take their venom, and I don't know if anyone's ever really done this at a fine scale, and be like, stab it into, like, a shark and a, and a you know, a human and a... Lizard and a crocodile and a bird. We've got a bunch yeah, of that student volunteers. That'll be easy. Commission for. We probably can do it on a lot of those, and then like see what it it should act. It so that the impact will be less on some and more on some, and so it probably you know from that you could infer something. Hmm. I think that's a project. Yeah, from mad scientists. From mad scientists, write it up. If you want to agree, disagree. Or want to ask what the fish, tweet us your question at fm underscore what the fish. And again, so long and thanks for all the fish. <laughs>